his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. It was a cornerstone of Lori Lightfoot's campaign for mayor, a promise to change the plot of Chicago's tale of two cities. She's promised to try to bring some of the energy and magic that's made the city's downtown area a booming district to other neighborhoods that have been neglected since long before this. She made a big move in that direction this past week, and now this week, we'll talk to the man who has the job of making it all happen. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. We are going to talk about the administration's new strategy dubbed Invest Southwest. And no, we're not talking about the southwest side of the city. Those are two separate words. This is the much-anticipated plan to revitalize Chicago's south and west sides. And my guest is one of the newest members of the mayor's team, Maurice Cox, Chicago's Commissioner of Planning and Development. Commissioner Cox comes to us from Detroit, where he was planning commissioner from 2015 until, well, last month. He helped reorganize that city's planning department, and he's established himself as an architectural and design educator as well. He was at Tulane University before he took the Detroit job. He has a political side, too. He was a mayor of Charlottesville, Virginia, for a time. But here's what probably caught Mayor Lightfoot's eye, besides his great work in shaping Detroit's future. It's his philosophy. He once told an audience that he wanted the people of Detroit who stuck it out through the hard times to now share in the city's growing prosperity. He's an advocate for neighborhood development with an eye for design, and now he will be among those leading a $750 million effort to transform 10 different Chicago neighborhoods. Maurice Cox, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so some of the neighborhoods involved here have seen businesses and people leaving for for years, and especially in recent years. The people in those communities have heard and seen efforts start and fizzle out before. Um, I mentioned before we started that this has been an issue since back in Richard M. Daly's years. What is different now, and why is it going to work? Um, sure. I um, feel uh, very, very strongly that public investment um, can be catalytic if it is structured in a way to unleash uh, private development. So, so many times uh, government efforts are kind of scattershot, um, ad hoc, and they don't think in terms of concentration of efforts where all departments, all arms of uh, government um, come together to layer their strategies in ways that people can see their their impact and effect. So it's certainly no, there's been no shortage of public investment. It's uh, a, a, a different notion of concentrating public investment with the primary reason of unleashing private investment. And I think that's going to be different in this strategy. Um, Oh, I mean, we've heard a lot of talk in the last number of years about public-private partnerships. Is this mo- mostly a matter of uh, private money driving a public agenda? 
Uh, no, I I think uh, the public has an obligation to the constituents of this city to um, map out a, a vision and direct the private sector um, based on a framework that is driven by residents. So if uh, if the issue is how do you uh, support uh, locally serving uh, shopping districts, the public sector can signal to the private sector where to invest by the quality of the streetscapes that it um, targets in particular areas and coordinating the information we know about the buying power of those neighborhoods to attract a complement of uh, entrepreneurs and business owners that will cluster in an area uh, and serve uh, that kind of local economy. Um, So you can take all of your strategies that often are um, directed singularly and put them in a framework that uh, appears to concentrate, to focus, and it has a, a multiplier effect. And and generally, the private sector follows where the public investment is. And if they see the public investment in the downtown, that's where they will double down. If they see the public investment in neighborhoods, they will follow us. I'm convinced of that. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the the investments themselves uh, uh, first, and then we can we should talk about mm-hmm. what <laughs> those investments will drive. But uh, the administration's news release was, uh, I think, very carefully worded to say Invest Southwest will, and th- this is the word I uh, highlighted, align $750 million in already allocated funding over the next three years. Uh, can you explain what that means? <laughs> sure. Um, Many, many uh, divisions of the city uh, have projects um, that are in a pipeline that are uh, anticipating being funded. But no one has taken a look at what those projects are to see if they are going to be layered and are going to amplify uh, the initial investment, each other's investment. So this parks, how does parks fit in with the kind of arts and culture that fits in with the small business development, which fits in to the streetscape work, uh, which fits into the housing. And so one of the things that I've noticed is that the public investment strategy has been so spread thin that it doesn't um, have the impact of a, of a concentrated, clear signal of, um, of activity. And so we, we decided to start on the front door of neighborhoods, which is uh, often the commercial corridors that run through them, and try to look for the most walkable, um, pedestrian-oriented place that still has some of that old mercantile fabric. Uh, The stores might be empty, the second floors might be empty, um, but the character of those areas are still there. And so could you come in and get get housing on those second floor shops? Can you get uh, businesses on those storefronts? Can you restore those facades? Can you make the public right of way um, a really welcoming place to be? So uh, we've scrubbed our budgets and we know that we can strategically target um, our TIF allocation so that it again has this multiplier effect 
Uh, the same thing with the Neighborhood Opportunity Fund, which was started under the uh, last administration. So I guess the key takeaway is a focus, 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 like a laser, so that people can see the investment in real time. Uh, so we're talking about areas, I, it, it sounds as if uh, these are areas where they already draw people, but it's a matter of jump-starting them or, or giving them more energy so that it brings more folks in. I mean, you're not basically going into uh, virgin territory here. No, by no means. In fact, most of these communities uh, have been planned uh, multiple times, uh, and they have those plans sitting on a shelf. What they lacked was that catalytic investment and the coordinated a coordinated strategy. So we're starting uh, by looking at those plans. Some of them are quality of life plans. Some of them are done by community development corporations. And look at the projects that they advocated for and begin to prioritize those projects um, together with the authors of the plans. So this isn't a planning exercise as much as it is a a prioritization exercise and finding the capital investment, which is often just a gap, to make those projects a reality. How much of what we're going to see as this uh, comes up to full speed will be a matter of things that were already in the pipeline and might have been done eventually anyway versus stuff that is new, that is a different spin on what's already been there? Sure. I think it's a mixture of both. Um, there are projects that are worthwhile um, that our CDCs have advanced that might be um, mixed-use housing or might CDCs be or community development, community development corporations, corporations um, might be um, new construction, it might be a rehab of an existing building. And our obligation is to uh, fund those projects, to find a way to fund those projects, because that builds a lot of community trust um, and communities and those who've been working in them uh, know those areas best. And so we have an obligation to, to listen. Uh, at the same time, there are some assets that are public assets that could be repurposed, uh, police stations, fire stations, uh, to do more uh, than um, what they are currently known. And so sometimes those are uh, hybrid programs, mixed programs that might actually provide uh, more services. So reimagining our public assets. Um, there are also infrastructure uh, projects, um, greenways, uh, that are there lying as um, uh, a possible uh, resource to activate. Uh, so I think we're going to discover some new projects in the midst of this. Um, and... Um, try to find a way to have a conversation about what the authentic local identity of those places are. So there's a branding component of this uh, so that each one feels like a unique um, neighborhood and that will attract people uh, from all, all across the city if they can convey um, in a, a compelling way um, what's, uh, what's their draw. One of the things you highlighted was the need and, and the obligation to coordinate efforts uh, by several city departments. 
Can you talk about how that coordination is going to actually happen? Because we're talking about a city that seems to have only recently learned how not to have streets resurface just before sewer work begins. <laughs> uh, good observation. And so you, you are right. Uh, there is a level of reorganization of how we deliver services Uh um, that is underway. Uh, I am looking at my own department, uh, the planning department, and beginning to see if we can't um, reconstitute some of the regions of the city as an organizational framework for the, for delivering services. So you have the far south, you have the south side, you have um, south southwest, you have west, you have northwest, and you have north and central. Those, to me, almost reflect um, the New York concept of boroughs, mm -hmm. um, distinct areas that have their own planning teams, and they are cross-disciplinary, uh, but they're also cross-departmental. So that would mean that we would organize the work in the West, where the housing uh, there would be a housing component of that team. There would be a CDOT member of that team. There would be a, a planning uh, member of that team. There'd be a small business development member of that team. And you would be able to coordinate your your delivery of services um, internally. And that is a, a different organizational model than we currently have. Um, who leads those teams, though? I think naturally uh, the planning department, uh, because we have uh, our work is the most all-encompassing and uh, comprehensive um, but we do it in, in uh, the spirit of partnership, uh, and this is coming uh, directly from a direction of the mayor uh, to create uh, interagency inter uh, collaboration. Uh, so that's the only way. Everyone's going to bring their budget to bear. Everyone's going to bring their pipeline of projects, and we're going to analyze them, meet on a very regular basis, and check our progress towards delivering have you seen this model work somewhere else? I mean, did, is, that, is that how you did things in Detroit? Um, that's exactly <laughs> how we did things in Detroit. The only way that we could start to give attention uh, to the soul of a city, which is its neighborhoods, is to um, work on, uh, have a group of professionals that work exclusively on those neighborhoods. So I'm standing up effectively a neighborhood division of planning and the group of planners that will come together will work 24-7 on those neighborhoods. And that's, uh, that's the model that has effectively changed the narrative of Detroit, um, where I would argue 70 to 80 percent of the work that planning did there uh, was focused on neighborhood revitalization. You're listening to News Radio 780's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. We're talking about Chicago's coordinated effort to finally revitalize the city's south and west sides. My guest is Maurice Cox. He is Chicago's new commissioner of planning and development. Well, let's talk about how the private resources are going to be used when they come in. First, more of the uh, the philanthropic stuff. And uh, although I guess well, Chicago-based BMO, uh, which is Harris, Harris Bank, is, is the first big partner. And I, w I guess we'd have to call them commercial, but it's really a philanthropic uh, uh, drive that's uh, taking their $10 million. It's coming in in a very specific way. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about how a partner like that is going to take part? Um, 
Yes, I, I want to talk uh, firstly about the the uh, invitation to uh, Bimo Harris to to join in this effort uh, sure. because it is going to um, ask, ask for a level of coordination between the philanthropic sector, um, the corporate sector, uh, the private sector who are investors and the public. Uh, and uh, each um, those entities often are uh, as siloed uh, as city government. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the invitation to um, BMO to support United Way's um, mission uh, in, in this piece suggests that um, they have a network that can be leveraged. They have um, a, a, shall we say, a mission that will uh, complement, it won't um, duplicate, but complement the efforts that uh, another philanthropic organization might um, might involve. So I know um, I know that we will we will need um, support for small businesses. We will need ac- uh, access to capital. Uh, we will need investments in parks uh, and uh, in other public amenities. And it's each uh, each entity that is contributing can can support the things historically that they want to support that their mission um, commands that they support. the The difference here is that it will be coordinated so that it will be complementary to the other partners who are stepping forward. Um, I do want to talk about businesses because that's really where the rubber is going to meet the road mm-hmm. on whether this succeeds or not. Um, how will they be participating? What role? I mean, are they, are they the ones on the frontiers? How how is this going to work? Sure. Well, ultimately, it's about getting entrepreneurs and businesses into storefronts uh, and providing the services uh, that residents really um, demand if they're going to stay and in the communities uh, that they love. Um, often, that's in the form of of, of a support for a business startup or for a refresh or a restoration of existing of an existing business. So um, it can be as straightforward as a um, support for a construction loan to outfit uh, an existing business. It might be for a facade improvement. It might be for um, you know branding and uh, refresh of their their business model. So uh, there are programs uh, that that exists that help um, businesses from A to Z. Our hope is to help um, those businesses find locations. So, you know, the idea of a single database for um, businesses. So when, um, when a, a person who wants to open up a bakery and wants to know, you know, what 10 locations where, that that would be a database that they would be able to access or um, how the, uh, the property owner that's property has been sitting vacant and don't quite know how to market it, uh, that the kinds of uh, tools for marketing of those properties could be um, easily available to them. So it's, it's a menu of different things that support businesses where they are from the startup to the existing business that allows them to stand up their business or uh, go through a refresh. And we can bring all of those who provide those services together for coordinated um, delivery. 
Now, if uh, if small businesses are the the I, I guess probably the the lifeblood of mm-hmm. this, will there also be bigger businesses, big box businesses, so to speak, that will also be part of it? Do they need to be? Sure. Um, you know, I think one of the things I've heard consistently is uh, people want uh, a high quality grocery store. Uh, that they can uh, walk or easily drive to. Um, those are, 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 are challenging um, uh, things to deliver uh, because uh, it, it's literally a science for how they calculate the buying power of areas. We know that there is an enormous leakage in um, hundreds of millions of dollars from these same communities um, we have to capture that. If we, even if we capture a percentage of that, we can begin to build a case. The other is um, supermarkets look for where uh, areas are growing uh, and not where populations are leaving. And so we have to turn that perception that there is no plan for growth for these neighborhoods. And once they see the potential, uh, not just to serve the existing community, but a future growing community, I think we'll make a much, it'll be a much easier case. They still are very, very difficult to finance, uh, and they have to be done in coordination um, with um, um, smaller businesses, and so you create an ecosystem. But but I'm, I'm committed to seeing both the larger anchor uh, retail as well as the smaller uh, business development uh, working side by side. I've, I've seen it, particularly this um, notion that the area has to be growing to get their attention. And you can do that by projecting together with residents where, where they want to grow and how they want to grow. Is it an infill strategy? Is it a need for more uh, market rate housing? Or is it uh, affordable housing? Uh, I think each neighborhood should have a growth plan. And in that, with that information, you can go and you can um, entice uh, the larger uh, retailers um, to, mm-hmm. to locate. Um, you said last Monday that this kind of effort doesn't work if there's not community involvement. That was one of your hallmarks in mm-hmm. Detroit, as I uh, read. Um, how will people in the neighborhoods actually have a chance or have a, a hand in shaping their future? Sure. Well, I think the, the only thing I've seen that truly works is when a community takes full ownership of the process and they drive the future that they want. And so government has the ability, the power to convene. Uh, and our intention is to hold uh, workshops, uh, teach-ins, uh, information sharing sessions, where we go to where the community is uh, and lay out what we think is possible in terms of the resources that we can uh, leverage and ask them to help come up with the framework long before uh, developers show up uh, because it's a conversation really about um, how that community wants to grow and change and evolve Uh, And you can only do that by um, contact and deep participation. Um, I I feel down to my very core that the difference between the strategy that we're deploying today, uh, which will involve multiple meetings uh, in different venues across uh, across the neighborhoods, um, 
that difference um, should be felt. Um, and um, my hope is that we can come up with a template uh, for uh, a framework for how each neighborhood holds on to its authenticity uh, while at the same time coming with, coming up with a, a shared vision that is goes beyond the single resident's interests and find some kind of collective direction uh, to move those neighborhoods forward. What will people in the neighborhoods see that will show them that their their communities are moving and that it's not just we put some new planters here and and, and now, you know, are you happy? Sure. No, I, I think we have to get into the actual um, DNA, the um, um, foundation of what these communities have. Uh, that means their beloved, uh, iconic neighborhood buildings uh, that they'll see that were shuttered, that they might see refurbished with uh, new new programs. Um, they may see um, the the sidewalk life and the kind of civic life of their of their community um, refreshed with wider sidewalks and you know trees, uh, shade trees, and you know cafes and uh, um, outdoor uh, dining that sp- spring up as uh, businesses uh, locate in those storefronts. Some of those gaps in the the, the street wall um, filled with smaller um, infill build buildings uh, that provide uh, housing options. Um, so they are physical projects um, that that's buildings being scaffolding and construction workers working uh, and you know streets being pulled up and re uh, reimagined. Um, so they, uh, it's, it's not, a, it's not a plan. It's literally a series of projects. Think, you know, six to 12 projects that are all within a given geography. So you, you have a real sense of the neighborhood being, uh, reborn. Um, whenever people start hearing talk about, well, there are going to have to be a lot of meetings and, and there, there were probably a lot of meetings before those plans that are sitting on shelves were, in, in fact. were drafted too. So you, you said that, you know, you, you like planning, but you like action even better. Yeah. When will people see action? Well, um, as soon, and I know that's a loaded question. No, uh, I, 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 we we want to start um, hearing from the community as early as this fall. So we're already beginning to plan um, the first meeting to help um, residents um, prioritize the work that's been done. And so I, I really can't stress enough that for us, we've already started collecting these plans and scrubbing them for actual deliverable projects. Uh, and so the uh, when, we, when we meet, it will be to prioritize those things um, that the community has already um, talked about and get them to understand what's the order and the phasing of delivery. What's your top priority? Which one do you think is the most transformative? Which ones can we wait a little longer for for? Um, can, are there activities that we can do that, uh, are not meetings, but they are demonstrations of what's possible. So sometimes before you try to transform a street, you go in and you do something more tactical, uh, that helps people understand the potential of that street. 
for me, that's 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 a point of engagement. It's not a meeting. It's an activity. It celebrates the place that's there. So I think people are going to already begin to see action in the spring uh, and in the um, summer. Um, but our first act is to meet, to listen, to prioritize, and then to spring into action. Thank you very much. That is Chicago Planning Commissioner Maurice Cox. Thank you very much for spending this half hour with us, and I hope this will not be the last time. Uh, I appreciate the invitation, and I will be back. Uh, To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website at WBBMNewsRadio.com. Just follow the podcast links. You can also find our podcasts on Radio.com. I will be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone.